I'm Aaron Lohr, and this is the Endocrine News Podcast. Every once in a while, clinical practice guidelines come out, and patient care is a little slow to catch up with those recommendations. Today, we'll be talking about an abstract presented at ENDO 2022 entitled Lack of Bone Mineral Density Testing in Men with Hypogonadism, a Clinical Conundrum. Joining us is one of the authors of that abstract, Dr. Travis Guttemuller of the Cleveland Clinic. Thank you for joining us today. Well, thanks very much for having me. Happy to be here. First, let's talk about the Endocrine Society's clinical practice guidelines. So they recommend that men over 50 years of age with hypogonadism undergo bone mineral density testing. Why is that important? The short answer is that it's important because these men are at increased risk for having osteoporosis and are subsequently at increased risk for fracture. So taking a step back, I think it's important to note that osteoporosis is a silent disease that often doesn't become clinically apparent until a patient has a fracture. Osteoporosis and low bone mineral density in general is more common in females, but it's estimated that nearly 30% of osteoporosis-related fractures occur in men, and up to one out of every four men over the age of 50 will have an osteoporotic fracture in their lifetime. The cost of fractures is significant, with inpatient hospital stays for fractures being ten dollars to $30,000 or even more. And in addition to these costs, patients who have had an osteoporotic fracture have significantly higher rates of rehospitalization and mortality in the years after the fracture. It's well known that in women, postmenopausal decreases in estrogen results in decreased bone mineral density and increased risk of fracture. And likewise, male hypogonadism, which is estimated to affect four to five million men in the United States, has clear association with low bone density, osteoporosis, and subsequent increased risk of fracture. It's important that patients with low bone mineral density, and especially those with osteoporosis, are identified because there are effective and low-cost treatments available for both women and men with osteoporosis. Part of your study makes it seem like those screenings or testings maybe aren't happening. So is access to bone mineral density testing, is it cumbersome in any way? Is there any data that explains why guideline recommendations like these from the Endocrine Society are difficult to follow? The most common method of testing bone mineral density is using what's called a DEXA scan. The radiation dose from the scan is very small. It's comparable to natural background radiation over about a three-hour period. There are no needles or injections involved, and the cost for a DEXA scan ranges from about $150 to $400 out of pocket. So one barrier to screening for some patients may be the cost. Despite the recommendation from the Endocrine Society for these men to undergo screening, insurance providers, including Medicare, do vary in their coverage of bone mineral density testing in men. So currently, Medicare will typically only cover bone mineral density screening in men if they've been diagnosed with primary hyperparathyroidism, if they're on treatment with steroids, or they have an x-ray that suggests low bone mineral density or a vertebral fracture. Another explanation for low rates of screening these men is the difference in screening guidelines between different medical societies. So although the Endocrine Society, the National Osteoporosis Foundation, and the International Society for Clinical Densitometry all recommend screening for low bone mineral density in men with risk factors, including hypogonadism, for men aged 50 to 70, and for all men 70 or older. The U.S. Preventative Services Task Force said in their last recommendation statement in 2018 that the current evidence is insufficient to assess the balance and benefits 
of harms of screening for osteoporosis to prevent osteoporotic fractures in men. So although the U.S. Preventive Services Task Force recommendations are in the process of being updated and there is a chance they may change, I think the current discrepancy in screening guidelines can create confusion amongst providers and probably leads to lower rates of screening and diagnosis. So there's not total agreement currently out there. That may change in the future. We don't know. So with this current research, what did you hope to learn or discover? Our primary objective with our study was to determine the frequency at which men age 50 or older with a diagnosis of hypogonadism undergo bone mineral density testing with a DEXA. Also, if the frequency of treatment varied by specialty provider, such as between primary care, or endocrinology, or urology providers. We next wanted to determine the frequency at which low bone mineral density was diagnosed based upon T-scores from the DEXA scans. And we wanted to determine the frequency of treatment with anti-osteoporotic medications as well as testosterone replacement therapy. So why don't you tell us about your study? We conducted a retrospective chart review at our institution, which was the Cleveland Clinic, and we looked at locations both in Ohio and Florida using our electronic medical health record. Inclusion requirements for our study were an ICD-9 or 10 code for hypogonadism at any time between July 2012 which was just after the Endocrine Society published their guidelines and ending September 2020. The patients also needed to have at least two subsequent visits with providers from primary care, endocrinology, or urology. Patients with a diagnosis of osteoporosis and those who had undergone treatment with an anti-osteoporotic medication prior to their diagnosis of hypogonadism were excluded from our study. Patients were then followed until the date which they had a DEXA scan or until censoring, which was September of 2021, whichever came first. And this included participants at least one year after their diagnosis of hypogonadism to get appropriate screening. We then looked at the bone mineral density testing results, prescriptions of anti-osteoporotic medications, as well as testosterone replacement therapy. What did you find? We found a total of 10,169 men with an ICD-9 or 10 code for hypogonadism that was included in their medical record between July 2012 and September 2020. General characteristics of these men were a mean age of 63 years, mean BMI was 31, 86% of participants were white, 54% had a history of smoking, 68% had a history of hypertension, about 20% had chronic kidney disease history and 37% had type 2 diabetes. And of the just over 10,000 men identified to have hypogonadism, only 7.2% or 728 patients underwent the recommended bone mineral density testing. And of those who underwent testing, 48% were have, found to have osteopenia, which is a T-score between negative 1 to negative 2.5, and 12% had osteoporosis, which is a T-score of negative 2.5 or lower. Of the 87 patients with osteoporosis, 57.5% were treated with an anti-osteoporotic medication. And after excluding patients with a history of prostate cancer, 59% of the total received testosterone replacement therapy. Patients that underwent bone mineral density testing were more likely to receive testosterone replacement therapy versus those who did not undergo testing. But there was no significant difference in the frequency of testosterone replacement therapy in those with low bone mineral density versus those with normal bone mineral density. Patients who were seen by primary care and endocrinology providers were more likely to undergo bone mineral density testing with frequency of testing 
occurring about 9% of patients versus those seen by urology providers where frequency of testing was only about 5%. So it sounds like a small number overall received the testing, but of those who did, it seems for some of those that it was meaningful. I didn't ask you earlier on what you expected to find, but I'm going to ask you now if any of these findings surprised you in any way. We suspected there would be a low rate of bone mineral density testing in these patients, but even we were surprised that the overall rate was only about 7%. The rates of low bone mineral density seen in those who were tested was in line with previous studies in men with hypogonadism. So osteopenia was discovered, as I said, in 48% of patients, and osteoporosis was seen in 12%. These rates can be compared to uh, the general population. So looking at like the National Health and Nutrition Examination Survey, in 2018, which looks at all men age 50 and older. And in that population, 33.5% had osteopenia and just 4.4% with osteoporosis. So certainly the rate of osteoporosis was higher in our population, which was expected because these men have a risk factor, which is hypogonadism. When I was reading your abstract, I couldn't help but notice that your findings were described as alarming. So why, why are they alarming and what action do you think is needed? Yeah, we we found these results to be alarming because despite the guideline recommendations for these men to undergo screening, it's rarely performed in real-world practice. And this indicates that many cases of osteoporosis are being missed and opportunities to prevent osteoporosis-related fractures in these men are also being missed. I think there needs to be more awareness among providers of the guidelines. More importantly, I think it's important that medical society recommendations be consistent Uh, It would be nice if the U.S. Preventive Services Task Force guidelines would match the other medical societies. If they need, you know, a large randomized controlled trial to change the recommendation, it would be nice if uh, such a trial could be funded and and carried out. I also think that consistency of guidelines would prompt more insurance providers, including Medicare, to cover bone metal density screening in men. So how might your research impact or inspire future research? Basically, what comes next? I'm hopeful that our study will prompt further research in the area of male hypogonadism and osteoporosis. I think more research is needed to determine if there's significant differences in men who have more overt and severe hypogonadism as compared with those men who have more subtle age-related decline in testosterone levels. And I think it's certainly possible that different screening recommendations may be needed for each group to best address their risk for low bone mineral density. It would also be nice if our research could lead to quality improvement projects to increase awareness and increase rates of screening. And also, as I have mentioned uh, just previously, it would be nice if our research could lead to changes in guidelines and perhaps have insurance companies reevaluate what their coverage should be. This is a really important issue. I appreciate you coming on and helping us to shed some light on it. Thank you, Dr. Guttemuller. Thank you very much for having me. That's all for this episode. I hope you enjoyed hearing from Dr. Gutta Muller. If you'd like to hear more about hypogonadism, I'll point you to episode 24 of the Endocrine Feedback Loop Journal Club podcast. The title of that episode is Monitoring Estradiol and DHT to Predict Outcomes in Male Hypogonadism. We'll include a link to that in today's episode description, but please note you need to be a member of the Endocrine Society to access that podcast. Not a member yet? Visit endocrine.org slash membership to check out the benefits and see if membership is right for you. We'll be back with another fantastic dive into the world of endocrinology. Until then, thanks for listening. Endocrine News Podcasts are a free service of the Endocrine Society. 
To learn more or to become a member, visit the Society's website at www.endocrine.org.